Good evening, ballers. Welcome to the 12th episode of A Step Back. 12. Here, my main man, Jacob Moses, and our special guest, Deep Thirds, Football Life Podcast, Randy Hammond. How you fellas doing this evening? I am good, man. I'm ready to go, but I had to do this because Randy had to be on here for me to do it. We got a co-host on town this episode, and his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs> nah, but everything is good, bro. <laughs> Everything's cool. Just quarantine. Hopefully it's not ending, but it's getting a little bit softer. Staying safe. It's working. How's everybody else doing? So good to be back here with you guys, ready to talk about some basketball. We actually had some some things to watch that made us feel like some things were a little normal. Uh, kind of Although today was a little weird, you know, you thought you had the space launch happening, didn't actually happen. Uh, so that was kind of a tease. But, you know, you take it day by day, and things are getting a little bit better as, as summer comes along here. So I think uh, I'm in good spirits. I hope everyone is at home as well. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're all a little excited to talk about the 10-part uh, documentary that we watched in the last five weeks. Yeah, that was uh, a, a nice little little break, something to watch on TV, something to look forward to every Sunday night. We had the threads going in, in the group, so that was something to get everyone uh, interactive. It was a good experience, you know, dealing with 80-degree weather and not still being when I play basketball. We'll be getting a little bit closer. It's something. Mm-hmm. See a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So a couple weeks ago, there was uh, we had episodes 9 and 10 focused on the 98 Pacers and the 98 Jazz. Um, finally wrapped everything up, and we got a, a killer ending, I guess. <laughs> you know, got a surprise to the last dance. Um, I was a big fan of the Pacers. You know, I, I thought they'd be the closest to knock them off. We looked at Reggie Miller, you know, underrated superstar, lifelong mm-hmm. Pacer, which was something to, to behold in the – uh, in the league of free agency and players moving around. Um, I, I thought he was the hardest luck loser of all the stars coming up. He lost to Jordan, lost to Kobe. And mm-hmm. I don't think he got some of LeBron's draft too, but uh, that was a, a nice little battle they went through and uh, it was exciting. Uh, Randy, what do you think of the last couple episodes? Uh, I liked how they focused a lot about basketball. Um, to me, it got some of the earlier episodes got into some personal stuff, um, but these last two episodes really, to me, focused on strictly basketball. Besides uh, a deep story about Steve Kerr, which I'm sure we'll get to later on, but these were a lot about matchups between the Bulls and Pacers, and obviously, like you said, the Bulls and the Jazz. I really like how those, they broke down those matchups and how physical those games were, and those battles were between those two teams. I didn't grow up watching those games. I didn't grow up getting to watch um, and live through those uh, playoffs and those finals. So, like, obviously, I know who Reggie Miller is, but and I, I watched the tail end of his career, but to see him go toe-to-toe with Michael Jordan and get away with that shove and kind of get under his skin and not be afraid of him kind of made me appreciate him a little bit more. And obviously, like, I know Reggie Miller's clutch, 
And I know Reggie Miller has that killer instinct. And I know what he did to the Knicks living in New York. I've heard a, a lot of horror stories about what Reggie Miller did to the Knicks. But, like, to see him go at the Bulls like that, and they probably should have won that series, uh, and they kind of blew it, was kind of uh, – it was just totally Bulls, right? They found a way to win those games. It was only, like, what, the second game seven that those Bulls has ever, ever even played. So credit to the Pacers for pushing to the Bulls to that limit there. Uh, and the Jazz, to me – um, obviously not a dynasty, but a really well put together team and peaking at that moment. And they just happened to run into the Bulls. Are you talking about two Hall of Famers and John Stockton and Carl Malone leading them to the finals and just not having any, like not having enough to stop Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and the rest of the Bulls? I mean, they were just too much for them. And they, they, they fought. They obviously were tough and they, they, they gave it everything that they had. And I think that kind of caught the Bulls off guard a little bit. But I, I just love seeing those battles because, like I said, I didn't get to live through it. But I appreciate the physicality and the high level that those teams played up. Jacob, uh, what, what do you think of the last two episodes uh, of the documentary? Oh, it was really good. You know, just we love those finals moments where it was just grounded out, just grinded out kind of games, just toughness everywhere. And basically trying to knock off Jordan. That, that was it's like playing a video game, and he's King Cooper. You gotta every level. You gotta go to the get to where you gotta go. It's Jordan right there, and it did show his greatness. It really did because you know once again we'll bring it back to how many championships you know would this guy would have won? This guy, Carl Malone, Stockton, Ewan, Miller. You know, everybody probably would have had one. But just especially those the Utah and Bulls game, it's like they had the game plan to do it. And what didn't they have a lead, a nice little lead towards the end where Malone got stripped? They actually had a yeah, lead. They, they, yeah, they blew the lead there. And they could have closed it out. And, you know, Jordan coming off the backside, Malone wasn't paying attention. Snatchies, give me that bowl. And then. That was pretty much it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too. Like Stockton hits the three to go up one, and then whatever your opinion is on Michael Jordan after this, that is why he's, to me, the greatest player ever, is that he was an absolute killer in that moment. Like, he was not letting that game get out of his hands. He didn't, No one else touched the ball. So, like, to me, it's like, yes, I understand that his team was very good and the dynasty wouldn't happen without his teammates uh, and the coach that he had. But at that moment in time, you're down one with 47 seconds to go. A lot of guys crumble in that spot. He drove the lane, made the layup, and then he did not clear out behind Malone. He didn't pay attention, stripped the ball, grabbed it, went up court, and made the infamous move on Byron Russell or Brian Russell. And, I mean, even as soon as he made the move and, and, and pulled up, he was a cash. You didn't even need to see yeah, it. Like, you knew it was going in. That, to me, <laughs> that is, like, the most iconic sequence of any basketball game I have ever seen. So, like, to me, mm -hmm. obviously, we knew it was going to end that way. But it's just cool to see that, like, I guess I didn't even realize he was the only person that touched the ball in that moment in time. But that, mm -hmm. to me, is just ultimate killer moment right there. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's funny because I remember watching that game live. I remember watching the 97 finals live when Kerr hit the shot. Mm -hmm. I I didn't remember – I think I remember the steal, but I didn't remember he never passed the ball. So mm -hmm. – and then you look at the final shot, he even held it for a pose because he knew it was good. So it was – going go, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing and, – and, and, and I will give credit to Phil because he could have called a timeout in that situation 
and he had the instinct to go, don't let them get set, you know, mm-hmm. um, let Michael do his thing. Like put that, put the ball in your best player's hands and, mm-hmm. and to let him be the, be the greatest player ever. And, and yep, obviously it's not a hard decision to make, but in that time period, you know, a lot of coaches would call timeout, try to set up a play. So I give mm-hmm. a lot of credit to Phil for that. Yeah, like, like Dennis yes, Robin said, just uh, he got the ball, get the hell out of the way. That ball is going out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was actually good, man. It's just – right. it just brings you back to so many yeah, – go ahead, Leon, go ahead. Oh, no, my, my, my bad. Um, I was going <laughs> to that the infamous uh, flu game <laughs> it turned out to be food poisoning. Yeah, so now, that is something nobody knew. See, that was the kind of – Oh man, did that really happen? But that's crazy. Right? Utah, they they tried to win by any means necessary. <laughs> you ain't getting now, this. I, but. Do you do you guys believe that story? Like I'm, <laughs> I mean, I know both of you are from New York, Leon. You're from you know the greatest place on earth with the best pizza on earth. So like to me, I'm from New York, but I'm from upstate New York. But I've had some of the best pizza, living close and being there a bunch of times. I've been to Chicago. Uh, really enjoy Chicago pizza. I don't know if it's pizza but it's delicious whatever you want to call it um i'm not doubting the the pizza in utah is is bad okay like i I don't know what they have going on out there but i'm not going to be the one that like questions the quality of pizza in utah so he might have a case i don't know what do you you guys think he was that story's legit (laughs) (laughs) who knows at this point i mean because jordan was you know as you can see throughout the whole documentary he was kind of a fibber. <laughs> so <laughs> to make himself look really good or like a hero, what else? Oh, yeah, he poisoned me, but I still not balled out. I took this game over. That was just it. That's how great I was. But you, you never know, man. People people go through some extreme measures for their team. You know, I wouldn't do it. You know, it's not that serious. I'm not playing. You poison somebody, and I, that's a little bit too wild for me. But I've been hung over. Who, who knows? But it was, it was good for TV. I, I kind of find it hard to believe that he's spitting the pizza so nobody else would eat it. Yeah. That's the part that I don't, I don't understand. That Everybody's and, like, hungry. the fact that he said that, – that and he said five people delivered him the pizza. Like, okay, <laughs> what source do these pizza workers have that they knew that you were Michael Jordan? Yeah. You know, like, I delivered pizzas for a living for four years. Um, we barely – and five people in the shop at any given time. <laughs> and, like, we're not sending – like, okay, if you knew it was Michael Jordan, I could see that. Like, let us go see Michael Jordan. But if you're in a hotel, you have – you probably could have someone order it for you, and then you could say, all right, leave it at the desk. I mean, like, you're not going to know who it is at that point. So, I don't know. As soon as he said five people delivered it to, to his door, I was a little – I was out on the story. Like, I don't doubt that pizza in your thought bad. But I doubt that, you know, Michael Jordan is telling the truth in that situation. Like, to me, he was probably drunk, right? He was probably hungover. Yeah. Like, that's probably the most likely situation here. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's there to do in Utah, right? You know, besides... Yeah, he was probably cards playing cards. He he's probably sipping on... Yeah, he's probably sipping on bourbon or something. And he's getting hammered. And, then, you know, I do I doubt he ate a whole pizza? No, I mean, that's the most relatable thing I've heard about Michael Jordan in the whole documentary. He's like, yeah, I can do that, too. <laughs> but... Um, and hey, I, I've had hangovers before. I couldn't score 38 points against my little sister. So credit to him, going out there and balling out even after that. So <laughs> he handled that better than I could have. Yeah, and then I, then I wonder, like, how you how you gonna like? Would you give him like bad cheese or bad sauce? I mean, it's just yeah. weird. 
Who takes the time to do that? I, <laughs> unless, like, Carl Malone's working at the pizza shop. <laughs> you know, just Michael Jordan, you know? <laughs> like, that's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just – I have a hard time believing it. And, yeah. if it, I, you know, you saw Michael Jordan lie a lot through the thing, or at least, you know, fabricate some things. Um, so it's hard for me just to be like, yes, he had the flu. Yes, he had the food poisoning. I think there's something else up with that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But, you know, it, it, it makes for a good story. And, you know, at the time, it, 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 it's a legend that will live on forever. Yeah, and <laughs> it helps that Bob Costa just ran with it and still thinks it to this day you know i mean people love that guy and swear by everything that he says so um yeah of course they're gonna believe it yeah and, and bob costas was just the guy in the 90s you can him marv albert they called the games like uh like it was a movie yeah oh yeah. and it's funny you mentioned that because i thought costas was very very much kate like Jordan in, in favor of MJ like everything that he did he just like he straight up just called him Michael you know like he he was very much pro Jordan whereas Marv Albert just absolutely hated him like every time he did something he would just use that as a reason to shit on him like Marv Albert being the next guy obviously like absolutely hated him he knew that for sure oh yeah he, he definitely felt into yeah. the personal <laughs> yeah I mean, Jake, you probably lived through a lot of those Knicks-Bulls matchups. I mean, yeah. did you show the same yeah. as Marv Albert? Absolutely. You know, who, who liked Jordan? Like, nobody. Like, that's the name. You lived in New York and you liked Jordan. It was kind of like a like, – I hear a lot, oh, I was such a Jordan fan. New York? Really? The dude, like, <laughs> causes nothing but misery. Like, what the – I mean, you're just like when he came back, it was like a freaking – it's like a funeral. It was just like, oh, Michael Jordan coming back. Oh shit! God damn it! It's like when you get in by your parents, you're like, "Fuck, here we go!" And you knew it in that first game. You watched it with my grandparents. Just, like, damn, really? You you really had to come back and do this? That was the double like, nickel, he, right? It's like he had it planned too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like he had a plan. Like, you know what? I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back to the garden, and I'm gonna bust their ass. That, that's what I'm gonna do. But oh man, yeah, he just the pinnacle of everybody's frustration, especially in New York, was him. I mean, it wasn't yeah. even just – I even see you could beat him without Jordan. It wasn't – you know, it was tough, but obviously we got over the hump. But, no. <laughs> it was just once he was in the game, he just – and plus he loved playing the Knicks. I mean, he'll say it to this day, whether the guard yeah. did not, he just loved playing the Knicks and killing them. That was his deal. And, I imagine it's similar to being, like, a, a fan of the AFC East with Tom Brady being around all these years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 20 years of misery. Yeah. Thank God he's going. Yeah. <laughs> oh. How much? I'm sorry, you... I didn't mean to bring up hard times, but I guess no, I, no, I, I that's all right. that at that point. It's, a, it's all right. I mean, it's kind of like the butt fumble, you know. You're something you never uh, want to do. <laughs> yeah, self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, it was pretty bad. How <sighs> much do you guys make of Jordan saying in the end that they would have came back to? make a run at their seventh title that it was the owner who decided not to bring the team back. I don't believe it. I, I really don't. You know, if the guy, if you wanted to come back with your team, you were that that much of a leader to your squad, you could have been like, you know, hey, Scotty, 
Dennis, all of you guys, let's make one more run. You know, I, I know it feels like the last dance, but did you see what we just did? We went all the way. But for you to say, oh, it was the only one. No, come on, you're Michael Jordan. You had enough power to say, guys, let's do this one more time. Hey, come on, it, it was bullshit. That, that, <laughs> you can smell the manure from all the way over. Come on, now. Come on. Come on, Mike. Come on, MJ. Stop the BS. And in my podcast prep, I did read that even when he retired after that season, he said that this was the right time for him. So it's weird that he was content with the retirement at the time. And now he's saying that he wanted to go for seven in, in this. Exactly. So, I mean, we know that the documentary is fun with a Jordan signature on it. Like, this, none of this mm -hmm. would have happened unless he approved of it, which mm -hmm. makes this um, not the greatest documentary I've ever seen. It's certainly entertaining, but it's not like mm -hmm. journalism. You know, some things have to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, to me, do I think they could have won seven? Maybe. Do I wish they went after it? Absolutely. I think part of Jordan maybe was exhausted after going to three straight finals and the fact mm -hmm. that Phil was leaving and you probably couldn't have changed Phil's mind. Um, my issue is that the owner and the GM also didn't even try to go for that seventh. Exactly. And like if Jordan's still mad about that, I totally get that. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, if Rodman and Luke Longley are, are aging and so is Scotty Pippen, like I totally get that, but you're telling me you couldn't replace Luke Longley. You know, Dennis Rodman didn't give you that much in 98 anyway. You know what I mean? Like he was coming off the bench and kind of being a hustle guy and defender, but like he wasn't the old Dennis Rodman at that point. Like Luke Longley, you couldn't have found like a mid-level center and brought him in and tried to replace what he did. Um, they were, yeah, you would have lost you know, Steve Kerr, but Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr probably would have been like replaceable, right? I think the hardest decision would have been Scottie Pippen because he wanted to get paid and he obviously wasn't himself anymore. But if you went to Scotty and said, "Hey, take a year, take a one-year deal, and let's go for seven, you probably could have got it done. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, considering Godzilla, he's in Vegas for <laughs> missing practice. And I, I love the, the clip of him dodging the media. That was great. Yeah. That that was pretty hilarious. The WCW clip, too, was great. Oh, yeah, I totally yeah, forgot about yeah. that. Man, <laughs> I got seven in the threat. You got to have some balls. The straight up, you're in yeah. the final. Hey, fuck this. I'm going to yep. WCW. I'm going to hang out with Hollywood. You know about um, yeah. That, oh, man. No, but then, him running through the thing. If you saw Rookie of the Year when they chased him through the thing, that's what Robert reminded me of. He's going upstairs. He's running. He's getting the hell away from me. I'm like, damn, that was, that was great. Robin's a fucking goat, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you imagine if that happened now? Could you imagine? <laughs> Social media would just explode. So, it would be incredible. Oh, my God. No, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't survive. <laughs> I mean, they... It, you, you're f 10 minutes late for practice there, you know, on your case. Just, But, mm. you know, it's cool to show you the difference in times. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm also really glad, which this is totally um, out of the blue, uh, mm. Steve Kerr story. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I didn't know that about his dad, um, but it, it just shows yeah. his perseverance and shows his character, which... Mm -hmm. Uh, he's now head coach for the Warriors, and you can see how he's so bright and uh, lead the team to some championships. What do you guys think of the Steve Kerr story? It's, it's incredibly sad. 
you know, like I had no idea what happened to him. And it kind of draws a connection between him and Michael too, right? Because, I mean, Michael's dad also was gone down uh, unexpectedly. Um, it, to me, it was a very sad yet real part of the story that was very important to tell, I think. It added a very real aspect of this. Um, it also explained why Steve Kerr is so outspoken on certain political issues. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it explained so much that, you know, Steve, Steve Kerr is very much someone who uh, is an activist in the NBA world. So uh, I had no idea that this backstory existed with him. So to me, um, I don't anticipate, like, I don't expect Michael Jordan to have a, a, a connection with all of his teammates or to even respect every single person he's ever played with or against. But to me, this was a deeper connection than basketball between him and MJ that I had to imagine that they bonded over and really could relate to. And it's, it was, it was very, very sad. And one other part of that that I took away from was that the best possible coach to have for that was Phil Jackson. Because oh, yeah. Phil Jackson can handle to me, like he's very, he's very Zen. He's very calm. He's very understanding. He's never going to be a rah, rah, um, push you till you break your limit kind of guy. He's very much someone who's like, go get your mind right. And then, or let me help you get your mind right. Like he's very much like a therapist in that mm -hmm. way. So I think he's very lucky to have had that guy to lean on in that difficult situation. So to me, I, I was an unexpected part of the, the show to me, but also, you know, it's very deep and I'm, I'm glad to have learned about that, about Steve Kerr. Yeah, for sure. And that's just, Man, I couldn't even imagine, like, being, you know, a young guy and then, you know, your dad's somewhere else and then, oh, you know, your dad passed away. What? No, he was murdered. Yeah. Like, what? But, yeah, it, like you said, it shows his perseverance and, and as a person, he's a tough guy. Like, you can you can see it, like, how he coaches now, like, how he kind of adjusted to that role. Like, he was one of the leaders on the Bulls team, then he went to the Spurs, he was one of the guys. And then, you know, you see him slot into the coaching role, and then you see it. You see his leadership, his skills, his, like, he's really he's articulate when he talks. I mean, he's he's one of the good ones that you have in the league, you know? Yeah, it, it shows character, it shows perseverance, and, you know, to deal with a character like MJ, you got to have all of those qualities. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they focused finally uh, – uh, a nice piece on on a teammate because this documentary just shitted on teammates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your because uh, uh, your favorite thing you took away from this uh, from this from these episodes? That and for me, ended. like ever everyone <laughs> that it ended. <laughs> 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 no, you're absolutely right to say that as a Knicks fan. I totally understand where you're coming from there. Um, for me, I, I just enjoyed having something to look forward to every week, um, given that the, the times that we're living in right now, there's no sports going on and we can't enjoy, uh, you know, the live aspect of sports that make it so great. Um, watching a lot of old games on TV, so it's nice to get to watch something that was new, um, that was that was different. Uh, it wasn't exactly journalism. No, I mean, like I said, Michael Jordan had to have the sign off on everything here, but it was certainly entertaining. And um, I don't think we've ever seen 
a more polarizing figure in sports than Michael Jordan and maybe Muhammad Ali. Um, I think maybe Tiger Woods. Um, there's some guys that are candidates, I guess. I mean, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, but he wasn't like, you know, controversial, I don't think. Um, but, you know, for me, like I had just gotten into like having Jordan sneakers, you know, when I was like graduating high school around that time. So like, I loved seeing all the shoes that he wore while playing. Like I don't see anyone playing basketball in Jordans anymore. They're like a, a fashion statement or there's something that people like cherish, don't even take out of the box or wear when it's only like the nicest day possible outside. Mm-hmm. To see there's this dude out here like wearing red 11s and it's like my favorite shoe ever, like out of the court. And I'm like, what are you doing to those shoes? But they're his shoes, you know? It's like, it's cool seeing like that sort of cultural phenomenon grow as it happens. Like I didn't get to live through it. So like I said, but seeing him wear all these really awesome shoes that you see everyone having now and how expensive mm-hmm. they are, that part was really cool to me. And I just liked watching, like I said, all this stuff that I never got to see before and heard so much about. Um, and the storytelling aspect of it, I want to comment on too, because people didn't like the back and forth. But to me, like I like when they talked about something or referenced it and then went back and explained it and had context to it. It's very Quentin Tarantino, but it was also like, I liked having that background information. Like I knew he scored 63 against the Celtics in the playoffs when he was still really young, but I didn't know he had the time restraints. I didn't know he had that injury. Like there was so much detail in in there that I didn't know. So as a whole, I really loved how they portrayed the story and that it wasn't just straight up chronological like that. But I really, I think the shoes are probably my favorite part, just watching all of those different shoes come along as he as he grew from the one all the way up to like, what is it, 16 now? I love uh, that. Yeah. Uh, 16 or 17, yeah. Um, yeah. Those shoes are pretty sweet. I, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the time jumping, but then I realized that's the way you have to tell the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely was entertaining. Uh, I I lived through most of it, and I remember most of the, the games. Um, the early '90s were a, a bit vague to me, but only because I was like six or seven. But so the '96 was the first one I, I fully watched, like in finals. I fully watched as a whole. Uh, those Sonic teams are like one of the better teams I thought they faced. Um, going back to the mm-hmm. 90s with Kim and, that's and another Payton. Another thing MJ lied about. He could say Gary Payton didn't do anything, but the numbers don't lie. Gary Payton played very well against MJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, n- numbers, those numbers didn't lie. And just the way he just shitted on people was just comical. <laughs> uh, Jacob, what was your biggest uh, uh, favorite takeaway from this uh, documentary here? Just the nostalgia part of it, you know, most of it we knew, but it's just nice to have a little insight. I'll say as an adult, you know, like back then it was, okay, it's just Jordan playing ball. We didn't really care about the backstories. But now when you get older, you start thinking, oh, man, this really happened. This is what they had to go through. You know, this is why this guy didn't play at this time. It is everything about it. And it, and it goes back. We all knew Jordan was great, you know. Mm-hmm. I love watching If he wasn't playing the Knicks, you know, I had no problem. Love watching him. But – now you just you really see his greatness on the court. You know, it was pretty much his drive to become great. You didn't get that until my eyes, Kobe. That's once again, Leon, I'll bring it back up. That's the closest to Jordan we're gonna get. I mean, drive, mindset, game, that was that's it right there. But and and you can see how Jordan has he revolutionized the game, 
which I love seeing, you know, with the sneakers, the commercials, and just everything, the endorsements. It's it's pretty amazing to see. You know, you guy from, you know, born in Brooklyn, moved to North Carolina, pretty much quiet kid, and look what he turned into. You know, mm-hmm. the greatest of all time. You can't you can't beat something like that. And just watching it over and really getting to understand why he was the way he was, it, it was amazing. It was good. It was, even though, you know, like you said, he was shitting on everybody, but everybody knew he was an asshole. Let's be real. Yeah. Look, when you're competing at that high a level, I mean, there's there's certain ways you can lead. And I, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's the best way to go about it, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. you're working as hard as you possibly can and you expect that from the guys on your team as well. You know, maybe sometimes exactly. you do need to intimidate them. I'm not saying punch them in the face. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, challenge them and, like, get the, get the best out of them. I think that people don't realize, like, you don't get the best out of yourself unless you push yourself. And I, I mean, I, I mean, Michael Jordan pushed himself and became the – just because he worked for it, you know. He, that just didn't, he didn't wake up and that didn't happen, you know. He didn't even play basketball until he was a senior in high school or something like that. He didn't play varsity until he was a senior. So, like, he wasn't just this prodigy. Mm-hmm when he was born he worked to get to that point so to me i think like yeah everyone hates how he's his leadership style but life is hard you know when you go grow up in the world and you have a job like your boss isn't always going to be nice to you you know they mm-hmm. expect you to be the best that you can be and they don't want to hear anything other than that as an excuse so um i don't i don't hate the way he he pushed his teammates i wouldn't have punched anyone in the face or anything but i think that people don't like to get pushed but at the end of the day that's how it makes us better yeah i i uh, agree and you know leads to something where he said Kobe is the great, not the great, the closest thing to Michael that we had, which is true. And the nostalgia was something else that we also lived through, you know, reminiscing about the nineties, the nineties teams, the players, um, you go back to the uniforms, take a look at yours, you know, the, those jerseys were, were, were sweet, the Wolves, the Hawks, those teams. I, I remember the Bullets jersey and, you know, we had Rod Strickland and George Marisan were going mm-hmm. into the group the 90s week. Uh, Randy, was there any players that you haven't seen in the documentary before that I guess would, you know, decided, you know, I, I might take a look at this guy? Yeah, I think that um, – Obviously, I know Charles Barkley is a Hall of Famer and one of the best players of all time, but I guess I didn't realize that he had that outside game and he had the sweet touch with his J. I always thought he was like an undersized rebounder who dominated the paint, which he did to his credit, but I didn't realize how versatile he was uh, and how much he could run up and down the floor and how athletic he was. So I'm definitely going to check out some more Charles Barkley um, tape on that. And I never really watched a lot of Carl Malone. Carl Malone, and we can get to this, kind of like turns me off when I hear his name because of some other things he did in his life. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of loved the way he played. I mean, he was an undersized power forward. I mean, he was only six foot nine. But he was also like the strongest player in the league, and he had those gigantic palms where the basketball just looked like, you know, a tennis ball in his hand. So I, I literally like the way Carmelo Malone played. I like how he had an outside shot and he had the touch, and he could still Our get physical, elbows. put the ball on the floor. I never realized that he could actually put the ball on his floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, I just love watching, you know, the Bulls play basketball. Like I watched that 
same system with the Lakers and the triangle offense. So I saw how it was run with what many people consider a lesser version of, of MJ and Kobe. So like, I kind of got that aspect of it, but I liked seeing it without like the dominant center and check. Like there's still very much a post-up game, but you didn't have the, the dominant big man in the middle. So I loved how, you know, MJ still ran the offense despite being the guy, you know, and how much Pippen controlled the pace of the games a lot of the time. I rewatched the entire game six of the 98 um, finals and Pippen is like, his back is all banged up and he can't run up and down the court. But when he's in the game, he's not looking to shoot, but he's making great passes and he's making great reads and he's reposting and he's setting guys up here and there. I got the back of the game. is not really played like that anymore. So I just loved watching that aspect of it. Um, I just, I never really got to enjoy and live through the bulls to truly appreciate it. I guess to me, like, I think the Warriors play the most purest and beautiful style of basketball right now. It's, it's just different. So to me, like, I love watching the Warriors. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Like I, even if they're in a blowout, like they play the game so clean and smooth and it's so beautiful to watch the bulls to me are very much the same way. Yeah. I, I agree with that. You know, uh, Warriors, because of their prolific three-point shooting, uh, the Lakers were back way back in the day with Showtime. They ran up and down the floor. And the Warriors of the of early 90s would run TMC. They, Don Nelson and those guys, they ran the floor and just shot up threes like it was nobody's business. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mowing Mitch Richmond. And uh, Matt brings up, uh, how you doing, Matt? Brings up a pretty good point the gap, the talent gap between Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler. Mm -hmm. I remember Drexler on the Rockets. I remember him vaguely on the Blazers, but, uh, and he took that team to the finals in 92. Mm -hmm. Drexler was no slouch. But he but got worked. He got worked. <laughs> and come to find out, uh, apparently, the, the Knicks were very close to drafting him. But yeah, I, I forgot who they uh, picked over him, and you know, was it, was it Kenny Walker? I can't remember. I, I think it was Kenny Walker. I something like that. If I get that right, I need need a prize. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. Like I agree with Matt. It's the gap wasn't even it wasn't close, man, and. And these are the guys that, you know, the Blazers kind of passed up. Oh, we got Justin. We're good. We're good. We're okay. And to me, and, then, and as someone who didn't live through that era and just knows mm -hmm. stuff about, you know, past, um, Drexler, is, to me, was a legend of the sport, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, the glide, you know? I mean, he had the cool mm -hmm. nickname. And to me, he's, he was a legend. But then you see how much better Michael Jordan was than him. And I think that they were kind of similar players for the most part. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to watch more of Clyde. But, like, to me, like, just having not a lot of background knowledge, not a lot, like, a lot of game film from Drexler, I, I did think he was a legend. I do, I still think he was one of the game's greatest players. Oh, Probably a top, oh, yeah, he, you know, he definitely player is. of all time. But sure. it just shows the gap. <laughs> I mean, how badly he got beat up in that series. It, it really was palpable. And – in the, and in the 90s, this was a center-driven league. You look at those centers uh, in the 90s, uh, apparently you can take them by tears with the, oh, yeah. the, the Dream, Shaq, uh, David, David Robinson, Robinson, Ewing, uh, Matumbo's in the next tier, Alonzo Mourning, mm -hmm. you know, Rick Smith. These were the land of the Giants. And 
the Bulls never had a dominant center uh, besides in the early with uh, Bill Cartwright. But otherwise, they went in with a serviceable center and mid-range game these teams to death. I mean, do you consider Rodman more of a power forward at that point then? I do. Uh, see, I, see, and that's why I think like Horace Grant and and Rodman were, were incredibly valued because they can go in there and bang with those guys and get rebounds. But Horace Grant had that mid-range jumper where you had to respect it. And yeah. not only were these centers like offensively gifted, they were among the defensive player of the year. They get three, four block shots a game. So, you know, it, it – Yeah, seeing Prime Shaq too. Prime Shaq is unlike anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe Prime Wilt would be the only one comparable. He's running the floor. Just unbelievable Shaq was. Uh, especially in his Orlando days. Almost, you know, incomparable. Dominant. I mean, Hakeem had the greatest footwork ever. And he mm-hmm. still is has that. And it's, it just blows my mind that no one even looks at him and says, I want to have great footwork like that. Because you don't you don't have big guys posting up like that anymore. But the, the overall footwork and fundamentals now are so bad that you look, you just you watch Hakeem and you're just uh, you're just fascinated by how well he played the game and how he was able to use just basic fundamentals to get open and to make shots. I mean, Hakeem was so fun to watch. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think MB is the closest one to Hakeem, mm-hmm. but if he just yeah, stays on the floor. Oh yeah, I think Embiid would be the closest one to it. Yep. Another one, and this is one that I'm really disappointed in because I swear if he would have worked on his game a little bit more, Dwight Howard. Like, I, he's so frustrated because how good he was in Orlando. If he had just even a little jump hook, like I think he went to Akeem School and oh, you know, uh, what, what? Dwight Howard. Yeah, like that. He had the, he had the body for it, you know. Even like a little jump hook, just something. But I, I don't know. Just sometimes I think he didn't take it as seriously as he could have, because he basically got a long way off his skill, like off his body type and just raw athleticism. And uh, yeah, that makes a good point. I mean, Hakeem had a really soft touch. I mean, Dwight never had that sort of touch around the rim. He was always a physical power guy. Who you know, if he wasn't a dunk, he it was basically a miss. So you know, Dwight was obviously a physical specimen, but he never had that you know soft touch like the team had. Right. I, I compared Dwight Nobody to uh, <laughs> to Alonzo Mourning. Yeah. Uh, maybe okay. like Alonzo Mourning had a little bit more of, of an offensive game. Yeah, he had a jumper. But I, I thought Dwight Howard was close to to Mourning. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely fair. Uh, Ryan brings up a good point. If Dwight ever got along with Kobe, they would have been a, a, an awesome duo. Because yep. you you know, the power game was Shaq, the lob game, he was already a defensive presence. He just got in his own way. I mean, Powell had a lot. Powell was a big part of that team too. I mean, him and Powell had good chemistry. Uh, part of Dwight along with Kobe is that Kobe pushed him hard, and he didn't like it. <laughs> At exactly. the end of the day, Dwight didn't really want to work for it. We didn't want to work for it quite like everyone else. So, yeah, it, and it, it brings back nostalgia. I'm, I'm glad we were able to look back at some of these players. And 
Uh, I know last week we touched a bit on the list that ESPN came out with, and we had some debate over it. Uh, so I, I believe that, you know, the numbers, the players, they're a little bit way off. I uh, figure maybe we in the group can get uh, – this week we're celebrating 90s week. Maybe uh, next week we can go in the 80s and get a clear look at these players and get a good – Good, good sense of the list that you know we can probably rank them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if everybody is down for it, maybe we can do the '80s week next week and take a look at Magic and Bird and Dr. J because they got Dr. J at like 15. And... Yeah, they, they're really out of control. Wow. Out of wow. control. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the retro week, people love the retro week. I think the 90s is bringing back a lot of nostalgia for the group. And um, I don't know how many older, older heads are going to get into the 80s, but I also think that people are basketball historians. And I think people appreciate that era. So I think we could get a lot of love with that, too. Absolutely. Matt brings up, uh, um, do we go to Matt's question? How would you guys feel with the Bulls' second three people versus the Spurs with Duncan and Robinson, Matt? That is a great one. I, I really think they could have – I don't know. It's hard. It's really hard to say because they had their front court, but just everything else was just like uh, – I, th- I think the Bulls still would have kind of worked them when you thought of – when you think about it, Jordan would have been the X Factor. It's like everybody else, he would have been the X Factor because really who's going to stop him on the Spurs that, you know, who? <laughs> who is really going to do anything? Sean Elliott? I have a hard time. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I always get, uh, always have thought that rebounding is the most important stat in basketball. And just mm-hmm. with Robinson and Duncan, like, I don't know how the Bulls possess the ball. You know, if they miss a single shot, they don't, they won't have Rodman there to try to get offensive rebounds. Like, the, the Spurs are going to clean them up and they're going to end the rim and it's going to be hard for the Bulls oh, yeah, to get sure. those, the shots up that they normally would. And it depends on what the moves they would have made. Like, if it was the same team as as constructed and like Pippen was healthy, absolutely, it's a it's an incredible series. But they were banged up, they were kind of old, they were tired. Um, I mean, it's a strike season too, mind you, so it's a short season, so that might help the Bulls a little bit. But Duncan and Robinson, man, I don't know how the Bulls match up well with them. Uh, I don't think they win because they would have lost to the Pacers. They grab an offensive rebound, any offensive yeah. rebound. That's true. Shout out to my, my guy Rick Smith. I mean, uh, and, they went, and they went to Rick Smith's every possession for the last eight minutes. It frustrated the hell out of me watching it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you got Reggie. I mean, they just shut him down. It it was frustrating to watch. I don't think the Bulls get past the Spurs. Hell, I don't even think the Bulls get past the Knicks or even the Heat. Yeah, the Heat were pretty tough too. They had the, you know, they had the nice little front court going, but um. Man, yeah. So who guards so Duncan? Good. That's what I want to know. Who guards Duncan? And that's. I don't have an answer for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who coach on Duncan? <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna guard Robinson? You know, like that's uh, what, those are the things I'm thinking. Yeah, like, that's yeah that's obviously they don't have an answer for Mike. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they always don't have an answer for Mike, but I don't think the Bulls have an answer yeah, for that. That's what's because then then Pippen was gonna be you know you get a healthy Pippen, and Rodman you know he would have held his own. Like you don't know, and this is a young like this is a young. No, Rodman was done. Yeah, but this is a young Duncan. Though. That's the thing. It's hard. You can't necessarily say which way it could have went. That's why I'm like so conflicted about it. 
it's so it's so weird. But like I said, I see you guys point of the Spurs, you know, just bodying them and taking advantage of them. But then again, the experience of the Bulls. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't see it happening. I'm gonna to have to disagree. I don't know. I just so the Spurs. I mean, they, they, you're talking about what? Robert Ory's on the on that Spurs team, right? No, I don't think so. No, he's not. Okay. So as I was yeah, gonna say, he would. He well, would it depends on where Steve Kerr goes. If that was the case, like yeah, yeah. That's so because Kerr was yeah, that's a good point. You know, it, which team is Kerr on? You know, we got Sean Elliott. He'll undercut somebody. <laughs> 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 uh, Matt and Ryan make pretty good names for the '80s. Uh, Moses Malone, rebounding yes. king. I, I, I know the name. I gotta see more of his game. I, I know he's a, a legend. And uh, George Mikan. So those are pretty good names. We should, we could get into that uh, next week. That's those are pretty good suggestions. Thanks. And Luke. I mean, the '80s. You, you could argue the '80s is the most important era, about the most important decade in basketball. So I think we definitely good. get a lot of love for that. And throughout this documentary, there's been no mention of Luke. Like totally forgotten. Luke Longley? By the wayside. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what the fuck did he do? I mean, no, um, <laughs> they, they aired that movie that about about him after the fact, but um, they did the the game six, the movie on ESPN after the after the final episode. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's in the game. He's talked about quite a bit, but um, doesn't seem like he's that much an impact player. <laughs> Just like with Tony, they ain't really. I mean, I feel like Mike. It feels like he was replaceable. <laughs> Tony, oh my god. Yeah, they, they did him dirty too. I mean, they ain't really like he was a big part of it, man. He would have yeah. been a star, like a legit star in anybody's team, like a kind of draws and Petrovic kind of guy. I mean, he would have been that guy. But yeah, yeah. But he so, took on a pro player. We we've been asking everyone. Do you think Tony? Tony Kukoc is a Hall of Famer. No, no, I'm, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, longevity. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I mean, in the NBA, he doesn't have a great resume overseas. I think he would have taken into consideration because it's the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I guess like, if I you included do. that, he would have mm-hmm. a case. But yeah. just based on NBA resume alone, I don't think so. Hell no. Man, Ben Wallace might make it to the – I think Ben Wallace – they took off Ben Wallace might make it to the Hall of Fame. If he makes it to the Hall of Fame, Tony Kukos better make it because I'm not even kidding. Hey, Ben Wallace is the most defensive player of the year award. So he won six of them Hell, I don't care. That four, four damn points a game and eight re- – nah, hell no. Yes, he was a great defensive player, but mm-mm. mm-mm. <laughs> One of the best defensive it. players ever. Absolutely. But absolutely. I think Matt, Matt, Matt is – Onto something here on the comment that Tony Kukoc was Dirk before Dirk, and I think the era has a lot to do with Tony Kukoc. Where if he played now, absolutely incredible value. Tony Kukoc would be one of the better big men in the league for sure. But I think that he was severely misused, but he also had a lot of value to the Bulls at the same time. It's crazy they didn't give him more offensive plays. Mm-hmm. And oh, Ryan makes another good point. Another '90s uh, legend, Grant Hill. Yes, you know, so. We'll call you know, listen, we, we're, we're not going to get into that. We're, Shout out to Ryan. We're, we're, we're going to just let that one slide. No, we're not going to let that. And uh, 
Uh, I'm glad they brought up one player. It was way back in the beginning with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I compared him to Kyrie, but, you know, those Pistons teams were much forgotten that they went back to back. And if you look in the 2000s, that 2004 Piston team is similar Mm -hmm. to that 90s team. Mm-hmm. Grit and grind. Mm-hmm. They're forgotten about when in the because they're in between the Spurs, they're in between the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And the Pistons are totally forgotten. So sure. Isaiah Thomas and Jordan, his nonsense when, when the audio finally came out that you know he didn't want him on a team, which we all knew to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now it's finally coming to light. Um, I, I, Isaiah Thomas deserves much more love than he's been given. For sure. Um, I'm not, you know, and I, I need Isaiah. I'm glad you bring it up. Isaiah is definitely a guy that I need to watch more of because, like, he was. It seems to be the driving force of those bad boy Pistons teams. You hear a lot about Lambeer and, and and Rodman and like how tough they were and everything, but you don't have to hear about how like Isaiah really was the driving force behind that whole team. So I really want to watch more games and watch specifically Isaiah when do that. You, 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 you yeah, like I definitely it. like, yeah, yeah. To me, like he, he obviously didn't lack anything defensively, but he was the best offensive player on that team, and they obviously needed him to be successful. So, I definitely need to check out more Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and Joe Dumars. It's almost well, I can't even say they're Stephen Clay because they're not even close. But no, 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 no. Joe Dumars can shoot, but yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Isaiah was, you know, went on to be a broadcaster later, and. I remember Magic when he retired the first time and then came back in the 96 season. I mean, mm-hmm. he was as big as a house. But, you know. It, you know what hurts Isaiah Thomas from people from my generation, too? And I'm sorry I cut you off. No, that's cool. Leon, but the fact that there's another Isaiah Thomas in the league right now that is kind of a, like that had a good one good year, but he's kind of a scrub now doesn't help. <laughs> but also, when I was growing up, Isaiah Thomas was – the worst GM in the league for the Knicks, you know, that kind of took away from anything that he did in his, to a lot of us younger people. Um, so like, unfortunately for, for me who didn't grow up. Yeah. You know, like for me who didn't get to watch him play, I know him from being a terrible GM. And unfortunately there's another guy with the same name who plays in the league now who is not very good. I mean, listen, I, Isaiah can find talent. Him coaching is an, you know, is another story. I think he took Indiana to the playoffs. I mean, Larry Bird was an executive of the year, which everyone forgot about. I forgot about it. Um, yeah. Coach of the year, I think at one point. So, watching that uh, interaction between him and Michael after the playoffs, uh, oh, seven was. It was that, that interaction was the greatest with, with with him and with him and Bird after that that series. Um, I guess I. Didn't even realize Bird was the coach at that time, but the fact that he, they had that you know Jordan Bird connection and he was the coach against Michael and <laughs> Michael still talking all that shit afterwards. Just I'm so glad they had that audio and, and, that was and the captioning was perfect. It was just <laughs> f you. you like, <laughs> it was so good. That was probably the thing that made me laugh the hardest of the whole thing, honestly. Yeah. Well, definitely... <laughs> what you got? <laughs> no, you know, what also I didn't really notice was uh, the backstage kind of thing because usually you don't see that now when players will wait for other players now and kind of congratulate them, something five, yeah, good game, appreciate it. Now you don't really see that. I thought no. that was interesting too. 
Like a few of them you saw, I think, what was it, Barkley and Jordan? No, or I know Jordan. Malone went on the bus after the after the finals game. Malone and Stockton. It was, yeah, yeah those, you, I, you, you don't see, see that. that. They don't, oh, yeah, good game. You kiss my ass and call it a day. I would, too. I would have <laughs> went on the bus, too. You fucking ended my damn second year in a row. You cost me a championship. I'm not slapping your damn hand. Nope. Call me whatever you want. Damn right, I'm a soul loser. <laughs> oh, oh man, oh, that was that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad we got that uh, documentary out the way. We can looks like the NBA season may be coming uh, closer to us than we thought. It's supposed to be going to Orlando mm-hmm. uh, as a possible return in mid June, no, mid July. Uh, talk of how to resume the season, whether to just jump into the playoffs or, you know, have a tournament, playing a tournament. Uh, Willard came out and said, you know, if he doesn't have a chance of going to the playoffs, he's not even going to bother playing, which mm-hmm. I agree with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if there's a... I think I might have found a way to have a play-in tournament and go into the playoffs. Because you figure you, you can't have these guys jump into the playoffs after having two, two and a half months off. It's just not mm-hmm. good basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, figure on average, you need about 10 to 15 games to warm up and get everybody right. You can use that 10 to 15 game to determine playoff spots. They were talking of a 1 to 30 tournament, uh, you know, top 16 teams regardless of record. And uh, we'll do it that way. The NHL has come back and had 24 teams in the playoffs. Uh, baseball is talking of coming back. Uh, I'm going to share my screen after that. It's a bit convoluted. Mm-hmm. Let's see what I got here. Uh, I'll be the <laughs> Hold on. Come on with it. Uh, don't tell me. Uh, well, all right, hold on. Okay. So these are the records in the Eastern and Western Conference. The distance between the seventh and the twelfth seed is nine and a half. No, the eighth and the ninth, the eighth and the twelfth spot is nine and a half games. Zoom. Oh, my bad. <laughs> you know what? I'll just tell you because I, yeah, I, I, I can see it now. I can see uh, it a little bit better. The Western Conference, the distance between the eighth and the twelfth spot is four games. Mm-hmm. So, man, they got a shot though. That that would be interesting to see. But like you said, the fifteen games and so hmm. what I suggested was you have everyone keep their same records, mm-hmm. and the turn. Oh wait, so you have one playing six, two playing five, three play four, seven play twelve, mm-hmm. eight play eleven, nine plays ten, and a. Uh, Kind of like a fluid uh, schedule. Yeah. 
if I could determine 10 games, the, the records would fluctuate considering mm -hmm. everyone is in the same bubble. Yeah. There's no need to travel. You can have. That's true. You can schedule back-to-backs. And depending on the record of that day, that will determine who your uh, opponent is. Mm -hmm. The trouble you run into is the bottom feeders. You know, you can't have what incentive do they have to come back. Mm -hmm. And it would affect the lottery and the draft position. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to do it again. I think that's the, the, the that's why the NHL did what they did with 24 teams. They just took out the worst teams and just said, we're not yeah. going to even bother because I know you don't want to do it either. So they just let all like the playoff, the teams within playoff contention in there. I think the NBA could do something similar to that. Mm -hmm. Where like where Dame said, like, if they don't have a shot, he's not coming back. I think a lot of players would probably echo that. Yeah, uh, I I agree. But the, there's no way to have half the teams play like no. It's just not good basketball without. If you don't have every, I mean, a good majority of the teams. I granted so they won't be playing that, too much. Yeah, I mean, so what? There's 30 teams in the NBA. You don't think they could just chop off the bottom six teams and just do 24 like the NHL? So what are the, the worst six teams in the NBA this year? The Warriors are obviously one because of the, the injury situation. Um, yeah. The Knicks, I assume, because it's better no. than Knicks. Actually, if they went wow. 25 to 30, it's the Pistons, uh, the Hawks, wow. Warriors, Wolves. Uh, uh, Pistons, Hawks, Warriors, Wolves. And there's two other teams. that Surprisingly, the Knicks are not in there. So oh, what, sure. wow. What I had thought was you would have 25 playing 30, which is regardless mm -hmm. of conference. Mm -hmm. That's uh, one of three. Mm -hmm. And then have the remaining seed here with the highest seed getting a first game by. And they play like a double elimination round robin. Mm -hmm. With the winner of that bracket getting a higher percentage of the lottery balls. Although the team with the worst overall record can't be guaranteed less than a third spot. See, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That does make sense. Because you don't want to mess up a little bubble where they fail staying too much yeah. in place. Right. So you play, you play that out. Um, they, you know, share the high percentage of lottery balls, you know, mm -hmm. give them a little incentive. Plus you can, th you have to throw a monetary uh, incentive in there because they got to get a paycheck, mm -hmm. which is, I'm pretty sure most of these guys would be doing it for them anyway. But at the seven to 12. Oh, so they would make money. The ratings would be insane. For oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you saw the ratings for the last oh. dance. I mean, people are just, you know, itching for sports right now any mm -hmm. sport that, like whatever sport that comes back first they're going to see it oh, so yeah, sure. i mean even if they offer some sort of benefit from that yeah it uh, i'm intrigued to see what they'll come up with i mean this was 
quite um I had to go over this like two or three times to try to figure out how to do it. But I I, I mean I kinda like the idea, but I, like I could it. I could also see them doing the NHL route and just chopping off the bottom six. It, it seems a little complicated, but then when you broke it down it it feels less complicated to me. I don't know what the NBA is planning on doing. I know that like the Disney Resort um, is like the spot that they want to do this remotely, so that way they can quarantine everyone. Um, mm. Disney World is obviously big enough to hold all the teams and has enough facilities and all those things. Um, the Disney now is that they are starting to reopen uh, in July, so um, they might have that part to worry about. But if they like just took one of the parks and said this is closed off for the NBA, um, I know Florida is going to start letting people in at some point coming up here. So- that won't have any effect but um whatever they do they can easily do back-to-backs they can easily play multiple games in a row like there's no travel you're not going to be allowed to leave you're going to be all right there so um whatever plan they come up with i trust adam silver more than any other commissioner in any sport to figure this out and do this the right way so i have i i think the nba i'm more confident in than most other sports at this point yeah, I, I agree. Plus, you can schedule it out like they do in, in the March Madness where you can have a game start at 12 and mm-hmm. run that all day. Um, oh, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would. <laughs> if, that would I'm, be so sick. <laughs> with, so, with so many teams and so many arenas, um, I'm pretty sure that would be the possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, And obviously, it would be something to watch all day and you know, finally get some live sports on here because – Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry. Watching so Tom so. Brady when do you think they would have to be done by? You know, like I, I think about you know the next season. Do you think that there is like a hard cutoff of when the season needs to end, or do you think that they go till whenever and just start the season up on Christmas, like everyone tells them to do anyway? I think they will end if not if not around Labor Day, yeah, probably, um, a week or so after. You have to cut it. Okay. You definitely got to cut it middle of September at least because they got to be able to, you know, rest up a little bit, do what they got to do. You know, plus also you got to get the lottery done, you know. Yeah. And they said something about, what, September? Yeah. Make yeah. a I'm like, push that back into October if need, middle of October mm-hmm. if need be. Uh, and, and then the draft. Mm-hmm. Lottery I think they cut. have to be done before football starts because I think they're going to be – you know, severely impacted by the NFL. I don't think the NFL at this point is planning on any sort of delay, which, you know, obviously could change. But, uh, you know, the NBA, same with baseball and hockey, they have a whole opportunity to dominate the summer right now uh, until football starts. I think they can get away with doing the lottery and the draft, you know, in that time, and I think they'll be fine. But I think you have to be done. if you're done by September, you could start the season on Christmas Day and then go until August next year, and then that should be the season length anyway. You ask mm-hmm. me, and then maybe they do make that change. Oh yeah, and that would be kind of cool to see the lottery and then the draft like kind of piggyback each other. Like you know how you have that little gap in between the lottery and then the draft. Yeah, mm-hmm. lottery yeah. one week, boom, draft next week. That that would be something just to see. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah. But, and mm-hmm. and Ryan brings up a good point. They have, they have to plan on stopping it again, which mm-hmm. is true. Yep. You know, if they start up, uh, which I, I hear they won't stop, if one player gets uh, infected, it'll just isolate him and continue to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, and with many of the states, and also if they are if they are isolated, sorry, Leon, again, I, I apologize. No, it's fine. Uh, 
I if, if they are isolated in the spot like Florida, they're not going to stop again. I don't believe. I think that if everyone is already quarantined, and if one guy does get it, like you said, that person will just have to stay away, and they will just keep on rolling with things. But I mean, none of us can predict the future and what's going to. I think they would probably have a plan in place for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm also a big proponent of them starting the season next season around Christmas. I think that's something that's going to have some legs. Um, if this, you know, happens to work out, I, I think they will eventually just push the season back mm-hmm. and start Christmas because nobody watches basketball until then anyway. It, you know, um, plus, you know, you don't have to compete with the, N- the NFL because that's what five or six weeks you have to compete with, uh, you know, Monday night football, Thursday night football. Pretty sure it's going to be Saturday night football. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they'll eventually. I mean, at that point, that. too, like you're, it's basically just the playoffs at that point, right? So it's like you can avoid having games on the same day as playoff games. You know, this is obviously if the NFL playoffs continue as scheduled, but those games are typically just on Saturday and Sundays. So you could just schedule you know, games during the week and maybe Friday night and maybe take the L on Saturday and Sunday, at least until the Super Bowl is over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I have a feeling they're probably going to go the NHL route. A lot of people are going to be pissed, especially Lillard. I mean, well, no, he would, he would get in, I think, but I probably wouldn't be opposed to a 24 team playoff. But no, that would be sick. <laughs> I, but I also don't see them starting up right away, so it, 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 it's a bit tricky. Hockey, yeah. you, you can do that. You know, mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see what happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. On TV. For sure. Can't wait. Tell me about it, man. <laughs> I'm ready to shoot a basketball. You know, I'm, I'm think I might be losing my skills real soon. What skill? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no. Um, oh no. All right. Yeah. No, no, that was a layup. That was a. That was a, layup. <laughs> <laughs> that was a George Gervin finger roll. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I can't. That's, we need something, man. This is getting crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I man, love uh, the watch parties and stuff. I love the. Nostalgia to old games, but damn. Yeah, we, we need some live stuff, man. And, and Ryan and Steve, thanks for you know joining in. They, Definitely, they, they made some good points. You know, mm-hmm. we need three major sports on nonstop. Hopefully, baseball gets their act together. Well, college football. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I might actually watch a bit more of it. You should, man. It's it's fun. It's fun to watch, man. Nah, Vince Young ruined it for me. <laughs> oh man I had the goat and T-bone in college so it was fun <sighs> in college like I said in college <laughs> we're not going to talk about after I didn't give a shit what he did after but no Reggie, Bu- Reggie Bush was better yeah uh, Reggie Bush was the man I give him that cheated but um, got caught <laughs> Tebow, Tebow, Tebow is godly, all right? <laughs> oh, I, I, I understand that. Now, Reggie Bush was the man, though. He was a human freaking joystick. Yeah. yeah I, 
I've had a lot of fun, uh, you know, here with the nostalgia. Maybe I guess the next episode we can get into the eighties and I, I, maybe I'll think about bringing a game show back. I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it. You know, I, I see that welcome. Yeah, I see a look on Randy's face. He sees the buzzer. <laughs> it's a flashback. I could, I could not have hit that buzzer any quicker than I did. I'm still mad about that. Well, you know what? It's, you know what's funny about that? I, I made another game similar to Wheel of Fortune, so I, I, I got some tricks up my sleeve. You know, if wants to... I, I might be into that. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was great. Yeah, it's been fun talking nostalgia and Jordan. Uh, you guys, have any parting words for me in this show? Uh, we need sports back ASAP. Uh, once again, it was great talking to you, Randy. Thank you for coming on. Very much appreciate it. We all my main man. Brooklyn ain't shit. Sorry, made me embarrassed to be from Brooklyn. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> now nah, it was definitely fun. We're gonna do it again. Thank you guys for tuning in. Ryan, Matt, Steve, thank you for keeping the, the video chat live a little bit. Appreciate that. And give us something, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Randy, what you got for us? I appreciate you guys having me on. I was just going to say, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always love coming on and talking basketball with you guys. It's good to talk about something new and something that was fun. I was really having moved up the documentary for all of us to enjoy. Uh, I hope everyone at home is staying safe, you know, staying healthy as, as right now. I guess that, that is the most important thing. As much as we want sports back, it's essential to our, our daily life that we are healthy and we are staying safe. So I hope all you guys are, are doing the right thing and, and staying safe. But uh, I also have a programming note for all of you. As you know, I am the co-host of what is formerly known as the Deep Thirds Football Podcast over in Football Life. But now there is a rebranding. It is now called Football Life Presents the audible so um matt and i decided to do a little rebranding of the show and as we move forward with uh our programming we're going to have a show next friday edition of that show for you guys and to have the latest news around football obviously and we're gonna have a lot of good discussion around that uh on next next friday not this friday but next friday so we wanted to come on here and announce that uh, there has been a name change uh same guys but this name change something that we wanted to spice up a little bit I pretty like I said again I love coming on here talking basketball with you guys I don't know anyone who knows more about basketball than the two of you so it's always a great time thank you thank you uh, no like thank it. you man I like it Audible, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean you got Tom Brady splitting his pants <laughs> I need to see that man it was something I'll take it you know I will I seen him tomorrow I seen him enough fuck <laughs> off my tv <laughs> on that note man thank you guys again for no you know, your time and your, your dedication thank you guys for tuning in and uh see you next time and until then fall out sure